The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I want to tell you a story. This is a story called The Lion's Whisker. It comes out of Africa. Once upon a time, there was a man, a woman, and a boy, their son, maybe eight, maybe ten years old. And they loved each other dearly. And then one day, the woman died. I don't know why. She just did. Well, the man and the boy, they did what people do when they are grieving. They comforted each other. They loved each other. And then after an appropriate time, the man met another woman. And he fell in love. And she was a good woman. She had a good heart. And she loved the man and she loved the boy. But the boy struggled. His feelings were like a raging storm within. He was sad. He was angry. He was confused. And now he was fearful. Now he felt threatened. He felt maybe this new woman would take away the love of his father and he would have nothing. So his heart was hard to the woman. But she, as I said, she had a good heart and she loved the boy dearly and she, she wanted, she needed him to return that love. She did all the things that a mother might do to show her love. She made him beautiful clothes. But he would wear them through the briars and they would end up messy and torn and muddy. She would make the boy and the man wonderful, nourishing, nourishing dinners. But the boy would simply pick at them, eating just enough to satiate his hunger. She would ask him to help her with the chores around the house, but he would always refuse. He always resisted. She would ask if he would play with her. And he always said no. Well, one day, the man went out to hunt, and the woman decided that this would be a good day for she and the boy to talk about their feelings for each other. So she went into his bedroom. She sat down on his bed, and she said, Boy, today is a good day for us to talk about our feelings because I love you dearly. And I want, I need you to return that love. I am your mother. And he jumped up and he said, I hate you. You're not my mother. I will never love you. You will never be my mother. I'm running away. And he did. This hurt the woman so badly. Well, she went out and she, she looked for the boy. She tried to find the boy, but she couldn't. And so she came back home and she cried and she cried. And when the man got home, he found the woman crying. 
And he said, what is wrong? And she said, our boy has run away. He does not accept me as his mother. He does not love me, and I fear he will never love me. My heart is broken because I love him dearly. I want, I need him to return that love. The man said, I have an idea. So the man went down through the village, down to the river, at a place where the river was its widest, a place he knew that young boys and girls would go because there were these beautiful flat stones that they would try to skip across the river. And if they were lucky, would make it all the way to the other bank. And that was a, a, a great thing for victory. It was a great accomplishment. And sure enough, there was the boy. But he was not trying to skip the flat stones. He was picking up the round stones and throwing them into the river as hard as he could. Well, the man went up. He put his arm around the boy. And they sat down and they talked on a log for a short time or a long time or whatever time it was that they talked. And then they made their way home. And the woman set out a wonderful meal. They ate. And the boy had nothing to say. The woman did not know what to say. And the man knew enough not to say anything. Not at this time. Well, that night when everyone was asleep, the woman got up and she left. She went out into the darkness, down into the village. She got on the road that went through the village and she followed it until it intersected with a path. And she followed that path to the hut of the witch doctor. Now the witch doctor was someone in the village who knew the ways of spirit, knew the ways of the mind, knew the ways of the heart, knew the ways of the body. And she knocked on that door, and that door opened, almost as if the witch doctor had been expecting her. And she said, witch doctor, witch doctor, I need your help. My stepson does not love me, but I love him dearly. And I need and I want him to return that love. I need you to make me a love potion so that he will love me. Hmm. I can do that. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness. Make me a love potion, witch doctor. But I need one thing. I need you to bring me the whisker from the face of a lion. What? I need you to bring me the whisker from the face of a lion. How will I do that? I don't know. You'll figure it out. Good luck. She went home. Now, I'm not saying she was a religious scientist, but she understood that there was a presence, a consciousness an intuitive intelligence that is ever available. And so she did whatever she needed to do that night, prayer, meditation, opening herself up to divine guidance. And wouldn't you know it, in the morning she had an idea. She took a piece of meat, she wrapped it in cloth, 
She left the village. She went from the lowlands to the highlands to a place where she knew there was a cave with a lion. She stood far back and she threw that meat right up near the face of that cave. And then she hid. And after a short time or a long time or whatever time that it took, sure enough, a lion came out of that cave and he he sniffed the air. He sniffed that meat and he ate that meat and he went back in the cave. The woman went home. But every day, she took a piece of meat. She went back to that cave. She threw it up near the mouth of the cave. And she would hide. And that lion would come out. Sniff the air. Sniff the meat. Eat the meat. Go back into the cave. Until one day she threw that meat and this time she did not hide. She stood in the grass. Well, that lion came out and he saw her and he looked her up and down and he sniffed the air and he sniffed that meat and he ate that meat and went back in his cave. And it went this way for a number of days, maybe a number of weeks. But each time, she moved a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. Until one day, she tossed the meat just a short ways in front of her. And that lion came out of the cave and he looked her up and down. And he sniffed the air. And he sniffed that meat. And he ate that meat and went back in his cave. And one day, she laid that meat right at her feet and she kept her hand low. And sure enough, that tiger came out and he looked at her up and down. And he sniffed the air. And he sniffed that meat. And she felt his whiskers brush against her hand. And closing her eyes, she pinched one of those whiskers between her fingers. And when she heard the lion go back into the cave, she opened her eyes. And there was a whisper. Well, she backed away, and when she was out of the side of the cave, she ran, and she ran, and she ran, and she pounded on the door of the witch doctor. She said, witch doctor, witch doctor, I did it, I did it. I got, the, I got a whisker from the face of a lion. That is a lion's whisker. Yes, yes, so, so now you can make me the love potion. You can make me the love potion for my stepson because I love him dearly, and I want him, I need him to return that love. There is no love potion. What? There is no love potion. What? 
do you mean there is no love potion? I need a love potion. And you told me, you told me if I got a lion's whisker, you would make a love potion for me. There is no love potion. But you told me, do you have any idea the difficulty that I went through? How did you approach the lion? Do you have any idea of the dangers of what could have happened to me? How did you approach the lion? What do you mean? What does it matter? Where is my love potion? I need my love potion. How did you approach the lion? I, I, with, with, with patience, humility, and faith. How did you approach the lion? With patience, humility, and faith. Yes. Now go approach the boy in the same manner. And that is what she did. She went back home. She loved the boy. And she still wanted and needed him to return that love. But she stopped trying to force it. She stopped trying to make it happen. She simply did the things that a loving mother does. She let go of her expectations and her demands that that love would be returned. She simply gave it freely. And one day, after a short time or a long time or whatever time that it took, she noticed the boy's clothes were folded neatly and put away with care after he had worn them. And one day she noticed that he seemed to eat more and more. And he smiled, and sometimes he asked for seconds. And one day she asked if he would help her draw water from the well. And he said yes. And one day he asked if she would come with him down to the river where it is its widest so that he might show her how he can skip those flat rocks across the river. And she said yes. And the boy still loved and missed his mother of birth. But he found a place in his heart for his new mother. And all of this was brought about through patience, humility, and faith. So it is. We are in interesting times. These are challenging times. Some would say these are dark times because the mystery is often dark. And we are stepping into the mystery. We are living in historic times. The things we do will reverberate. They will shape the way things are. How do we approach these times? 
we approach these times with patience. Patience can be said to be maintaining a sense of calm, a sense of centeredness, a sense of focus in difficult times. If you have ever planted a seed, if you're a gardener or a farmer, you've planted a seed of any sort, you know that there can be a long time from the time that seed is planted until the time the harvest is reaped. And during that time, we must do, we must continually do with dedication what is required to nurture that seed. We water it, we weed, we fertilize, we tend it. Likewise, in times like these, we must continue those habits that support us and support the greater good. Everything from our daily spiritual practice, meditation is an awesome way to develop patience. We persevere and we do so from a place of centeredness. We approach these times with humility. The world, this nation, does not need another person on a platform solely focused on their perspective, their ideology, their this, their that, their party, their candidate, their whatever. Now is a time that we perhaps turn from the self and focus on the greater self, the greater community, Now, that does not mean we ignore or we denigrate or we deny the self. It does not mean we think less of the self. It means we think of the self less. Let me repeat that. We don't think less of the self. We think of the self less. This is a time for community, for coming together, for a common good, for supporting each other. And that requires humility. We approach these times with faith. If you have ever planted a seed, you know that as soon as it is out of your hand, and as soon as it is in the soil, the creative medium, we are not the ones who grow the seed. We do not activate it. It is out of our hands. And that requires faith. Because why would we do anything? Why would we plant seeds if we didn't have faith that there was a power at work that would bring them into fruition. Likewise, in these times, it is crucial that we maintain that high vision, oneness revealed, a world of love, peace, and abundance for all. If we don't have faith, why would we bother? And this is the thing, as a religious scientist, as a metaphysician, as a whatever label you want to claim, We have an interesting path. We have to embrace the razor's edge of paradox. On one hand, we must meet conditions where they are at. Like Greg Moss said, it requires an assessment. 
This is not a time for going off into la-la land, for burying our heads into sand. Life is good all the time. Spiritual bypass. I know that's not what that means, but some use it that way. We need to be present with what is honestly, authentically, with full awareness. We need to step into action in the degrees and ways that we are called. And we need to turn from conditions. We turn from the belief that what is, is what has to be. While we acknowledge and we face and we deal with what is, we cast a vision for a higher and better future the best of which we are aware. And we realize that we are the vehicles, the instruments through which Spirit, God, the beloved divinity is moving that into being. This is not an easy place to be, to have a foot in both worlds. But it is why we are here. Why did you think you were taking these classes? Why did you think you were reading these books? Why did you feel called to this teaching? We are here to midwife in a higher and greater order. It is not something simply for presidents and Congress and Nobel Peace Prize winners. Everything we do, everything you do every day matters. An innocent smile, letting someone in front of you when you drive, the way you respond on social media, All of it matters. So let us in our own way make a commitment to facing these times with patience, humility, and faith. For just like in the story, the woman, all of this is done in the name of love. That a higher level and greater realization of love will be revealed through and as us. Let's pray. So I speak this word affirming the beloved, God, that one source out of which all things arise. that source of infinite, unnameable potentiality that is simply waiting to be birthed into existence. And I do affirm that we are of this power greater than we are, but not separate, not different than we are. We are expressions of divinity. We, just like all creation, are sacred. We are the process of God revealing God's self to God as God. We are intimately entwined in the process of creation. And as such, I speak this word affirming that we realize, that we grasp, that we are willing, that we are committed to realizing the sacredness of this task, of this thing we call life. Everything matters. 
every choice, every decision we make, every way in which we align with spiritual principle as best we are able to understand and articulate it, every thought that we select, every belief that we embrace, every feeling we allow into our heart and that is carried out through our actions, every choice we make or refuse to make, every step we take is a step leading us on this beautiful, amazing, sometimes scary, terrifying, but wonderful journey called life, called creation. And so I absolutely affirmed that we are blessed. No matter what our experience may be, no matter how we sometimes may feel marred and overwhelmed by circumstances, I affirm that in each and every moment we have the ability, we have the the will, we have what is required to turn from conditions and to embrace a greater realization, a greater understanding that is already performed, already fulfilled within the mind of the divine, and we simply say yes to it. We simply say that we are willing to be the vehicle and the channel through which that vision is made manifest. Our presence, our fullness, our wholeness, our love is assured, and they are required for times like this. All hands on deck. And so knowing that we are blessed. Knowing that this community is blessed, serves as a powerful beacon, knowing that our leaders, all of those who serve in any capacity of leadership in any way, any of those who impact the lives of others, do so from a place of compassion and deep wisdom. I do speak this word, grateful to know that it is already fulfilled within the mind of God. And I know that it is, because if it isn't, I couldn't speak it. I couldn't articulate it. It would not have been formulated in my mind and articulated through my mouth. And so I do release this word into the law, letting the law do what the law does. This is my word. And as such, it is done. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.